Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome. This week in production, it's about time I get out of the edit suite. This week in production is produced by Art Aldrich. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are undoubtedly his own. You can reach Art at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. This is Don McGee. To book me for voiceovers, please call 908-451-6760. Thanks. Since I got back from NEB, it's been a lot of pre-production, a lot of configuration, testing, building, and some editing, and some pre-production producing work that's just been non-stop. Non-stop. So one of the funny stories from this week has been my quest to keep my client happy for a shoot that we're doing in Las Vegas. It's at a trade show. It's going to be a nonstop series of interviews, talking heads. And we're shooting in a ballroom that the client has arranged for us. Now, the ballroom is not the most elegant of locations. It's great from a space perspective, but it's terrible from a visual look. And while I am doing some green screen work for another job, this is not a job that they want to do green screen with. So we try to find organic, right? Love that word, organic locations. And this is a a job that we just can't do that. So as I was uh, brainstorming about how to best address the concern of the client, I remembered seeing some things from Roscoe where they have a background rental service. And you can get these beautiful backgrounds that have the ability to light them for day or night so you can have like multiple looks from the same backdrop depending on which side you light it from. There are very nice visuals and you have a choice in some cases. So I started to pursue um, the Roscoe soft drops and that seemed at first like a good idea. Like most of my ideas at first they seem like they're going to be good. Roscoe warehouses these backdrops in different sizes uh, on two sides of the country, one in Connecticut and one somewhere near Los Angeles. And what I soon realized is that getting the backdrop itself is very inexpensive, maybe two, three hundred dollars for a couple of days. It's the getting the backdrop to your location that becomes problematic because these are not all shippable via commercial carrier like FedEx or UPS, which I quickly found out. Uh, After a bunch of phone calls and emails uh, back and forth with my client in choosing a backdrop, uh, the first one that we chose only uh, was available in some god-awful length like 40 or 60 feet, way too big to handle. Um, We settled on another one that was uh, 12 by 20, which is still a lot. I'm only only doing one camera, uh, one angle, and it's a lot of backdrop, but it, it was the best 
visual, which was like a modern sort of office feeling. It was the best that we found uh, in California. So I proceeded down the road with Roscoe about how do I procure this backdrop? How do I get it from California to Las Vegas? And I said, well, we've got a couple of freight carriers that we use. So you give me the address and then I will um, give you a shipping quote. Okay. Now keep in mind the backdrop rental is is $400 for the the days that I need it, uh, including the transportation. So, okay. Sounds good. The uh, the estimate comes back about, you know, three days later, and it's approximately $2,500 to uh, freight this out on a, um, a trucking service because it's uh, heavy. It's about 200 pounds, and it comes in a 14-foot tube. Okay, that sort of made sense when I heard it, but I was not thinking that initially. And I hadn't really given that backdrop, physical dimensions, you know, too much thought for some reason. So, okay, that is a lot of money to ship a backdrop. So I talked to the client. The client, uh, after I picked his jaw up off the floor, said, well, let me see if I can go and, you know, get that approved. And again, a couple of days go by and he comes back and says, okay, I got the backdrop approved. We can do that. So now I need to talk to a gaffer about how we're going to rig this and, and get the new lighting and grip estimate for how to handle such a big backdrop. And uh, that was again, about three times the price of what I had budgeted because we're going to need to build a speed rail frame, basically 12 by 20, and then tie it off and tension it and, you know, put it on some rolling stands and be able to move it around. And, okay, go back to the client and say, now lighting grip has gone up by 3x because we hadn't anticipated the size and scope of the backdrop properly. And uh, we go back and forth and okay, he gets the approval for the additional uh, lighting and grip. And as I'm going back and forth with my client, I'm also going back and forth with Roscoe about the transportation component. If you've ever shipped something to a big hotel or a building with a loading dock, The loading dock um, schedule is something very finite and um, nondescript in a sense that no one seems to know who controls it, who's on it, and where you will fall in the time slots. Uh, I think in New York, at least, there's probably some payola involved in uh, getting your time slot when you need it. And uh, I've only said that based on my experience of loading in in a couple of big commercial buildings and uh, being pushed to the side for hours, literally literally hours. So we're conversing about the handling of the uh, backdrop from the freight company into the hotel. And 
There's a pretty high dollar waiting charge apparently from the freight uh, handler uh, while waiting to load in. And of course the pickup then uh, has to be scheduled and it's not like FedEx where you call them and they come pick it up, you know, by the end of the day. I was concerned about, you know, leaving Las Vegas to go on to another job, which I have to do, leaving the backdrop in the bowels of the hotel perhaps, and then, you know, hopefully the freighter gets it and picks it up and, and you know, that part was a little bit of an unknown. So I'm getting this very uneasy feeling about shipping this backdrop to Vegas on this uh, commercial trucking company. I'm now racking my brain about alternatives. So I, I truly contemplated this for a minute. I could pay a man with a van, PA or whoever, to drive out from Los Angeles with the backdrop, arrive with the backdrop in Vegas. I'll pay them to stay over and wait for the backdrop to be done and then drive back to Los Angeles. That probably would be cheaper than the freight company with the waiting time and the uncertainty about when it would be picked up. The only problem is then I have to house the PA or van driver. I have to house them and uh, feed them. And of course, then they're waiting around. And then I have to also... Um, have trust in them, right? Like I don't know any people in in Los Angeles that uh, I would be able to call on to do this, so I'd have to take a referral and this and that. So there's a little bit of uncertainty, and and this is all going back and forth now over a period of two weeks since I got back from NAB. And at some point, I just said to the client, I said maybe we should just punt on the backdrop. Maybe we can shoot with some super speed lenses, go organic in the ballroom, make it super creamy, make it very nondescript. Maybe I could, um, you know, bring in some some uh, fabric backgrounds like a muslin, and it'll just be soft textures and light uh, instead, instead of having it look like it's you know something that it's not. And thankfully. Thankfully, thankfully, uh, my client agreed that this was going to be the best approach. That was one part of my week that I just thought I would share. Little, little slice of life from the desk of Art Aldridge. There was one bit of Final Cut Pro news that I didn't talk about on the NAB recap episodes. And I didn't get to see it in person. I did hear about it, and I did watch some videos about it. And it is a little bit interesting. The announcement was from Hedge, the company that makes backup software for Mac. They also make an app called PostLab. And PostLab let you do some things with uh, sharing uh, libraries. And there, there were a bunch of ways to do it, but they have something new with PostLab, which is going to be event-based sharing. This is a departure from the way that they're doing it in the past, which was library-based sharing. This is going to be event-based sharing. And it looks interesting. They have a new pricing model, and I, I think it's something that if you're doing 
multiple editor final cut workflows. I think it will be interesting. We'll have to see what happens when they release it in, in the summer. That was really the only big Final Cut Pro news, but it did get me thinking the state of Final Cut Pro. Where, you know, where is Apple? And I wasn't expecting anything truly at NAB. I mean, certainly Apple wasn't going to be there. I thought, you know, maybe there would be a chance that they would announce an update to Final Cut Pro. I thought maybe, you know, by the WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference that Apple has in June, I was fairly confident that we would see a new Mac Pro announced. Maybe then we would see a new Final Cut Pro version announced. I got back from NAB, and the first thing I saw on one of the Mac rumor sites was Mac Pro unlikely at WWDC. And that really, it put me a little bit into a, a funk. And I, th I thought about it, you know, for days. I was just thinking about really the realities of what that meant. And then as I started to step back from the, the ledge a bit, the, the ledge of Final Cut Pro, I really had to take some fair assessment of what my needs are versus my desires or my expectations. In all reality, I don't need a new Mac Pro. I don't. My Mac Studio that I bought earlier this year is doing just fine. I am not missing the uh, Afterburner card that I had purchased in the Mac Pro. I'm not missing the video capture on the PCI slot that I have purchased. I have other ways to do that. I'm really not in need of a new tower. I don't even really know that I need new hardware. I'll, I'll be honest. I am more disappointed in the lack of development of Final Cut Pro to take advantage of the Apple Silicon processors. We've all heard about how great the Apple Silicon is for handling all these things like, you know, that you can do on the phone. I just have not seen any of that manifest itself into features that are being deployed in Final Cut Pro. I mean, a little tiny bit, but really I'm not seeing anything that's pushing the boundaries of Apple Silicon. And I think that is what I am the most disappointed by in Apple. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, you know, NAB and Apple was always the highlight. There was always an announcement, new version, new features, new hardware at NAB. And now there's not. It's just how it is. And I think that the lack of Apple's willingness to, you know, continue to feed, and I don't know if it's, and I don't know if this is a fair statement or not. I just, I can tell you how I feel about how it looks from my optics. Apple is just not that interested in pushing out regular features to the Final Cut Pro user base. And again, that might be short-sighted. I mean, I know Apple does not care about schedules. We all know that Apple has their own beat and they dance to that beat and they don't care. That was 
you know, Steve Jobs mantra. And I think that Tim Cook, you know, holds that up as well. When it's ready, it's ready. And I, I get that. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I think at this point, the lack of new features to push hardware sales for Apple Silicon is a little concerning. Little concerning. But then yet again, when I step back and I really look at what I have in my edit system currently, hardware, software, and I ask myself, what do I really need to do my job? And I have to say that I have all the tools that I need to do my job. There's nothing that I am lacking from Final Cut or the hardware to get my job done. If that was the case, I would have went on to, you know, Adobe Premiere or DaVinci Resolve. I mean, I have licenses for all of that software. There's a reason I don't use them, and that's because I am more comfortable and faster editing in Final Cut Pro, and that's still a true statement today. There's nothing in those other packages that I need to do my job. So when I step back from the headlines, the blogger opinions, and all of that noise, and I say to myself, am I content with what I have? I have to say I am. I'm content with where I am with Final Cut and the Mac. And yes, new things are always great. New things are always exciting. It does not affect getting my job done right now. And I know that's not exciting. That's not salacious. That's not going to get me new uh, listeners or viewers. I think that the reality is that that is my reality. That is where I am. That is where I'm at. As much as I would like to see new stuff, I am very content where I am. And that's all I can say about Final Cut right now. As far as this week in production, I've got a heck of a stretch coming up. Five major shoots going on in five cities in two weeks. It is going to be nutty. It is going to be chaotic. I'm going to drag the portable recorder and microphones along. And uh, those will be the next few episodes of This Week in Production. So for now, from the calmness and serenity of my edit suite, this is Art Aldridge, and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.